Hello and welcome to The Double Life. I'm John Buzdar, and this week we sit down with Ezra Feinberg, a guitarist and composer whose newest album, Recumbent Speech, came out earlier this year. We discuss the early roots of growing up and what got him into music, how it feels to be a psychologist and have a family while being a musician, the struggles that go with truly balancing the double life. I'm honored to present my conversation with the very humble, very kind, and very talented Mr. Ezra Feinberg. You're currently listening to the track Acquainted with the Night off of his newest album, Recumbent Speech, which will be playing out until the interview starts to give you a better idea of the artist you're about to meet. Enjoy. Sure. Um, let's see. I was born and raised um, in Boston, uh, actually specifically in Cambridge, Massachusetts, um, um, in a home where there there was music on the hi-fi, but no one played anything really. Mm. Um, there was a, a brief period when I was little, like seven or eight years old, where my dad and I both took piano lessons, but it sort of didn't last. And otherwise there wasn't um, a lot of music being played until um, instrument wise, until uh, I picked up the guitar at age 12. Um, and that was kind of it. I mean, that was, I, I was, I was hooked right away. Um, and um, my, parents my dad specifically um listened to a lot of the kind of hippie rock of their generation um so i was i was by the time i was playing guitar i was like pretty well um indoctrinated into um the any you know point to any like classic from the 60s or early 70s, Neil Young, Dylan, my dad's obsessed with James Taylor, as many dads are of his generation, or like Motown and um, Joni Mitchell. And, you know, there was, it was not, there was nothing exceptional about his, his taste, but, um, but um, we, there was a lot of music around. Mm. And, um, and, and I just started learning songs and like learning chords and I just had a feel for it. Like there was this funny, I had this really strange experience where when I was in sixth grade, there was a talent show and my friends and I, um, did a lip sync where we weren't actually playing instruments to the YouTube version of Helter Skelter, mm. the Beatles. I'm definitely dating myself now, but, um, but after after the um like after the performance which i didn't know how to play the guitar but i was playing like a, an electric guitar as if i knew how to play it 
I, I just like sat, I, I, I sat with the electric guitar in the audience while all the other kids did their talent show performances. And like, while everyone was clapping, I just like strummed this electric guitar really, really um, aggressively. <laughs> um, and, you know, cause no one could hear it cause it was an electric guitar that wasn't plugged in of course. Yeah. And um, I just found that I had a real feel for it. You know what I mean? And I just like didn't want to not be playing it, even though I didn't even know how to play. Yeah. So I learned, so I, I took a few lessons and I, I learned some chords and I learned some stuff. And then that was it. And then it was pretty soon I was jamming with friends. I was in some really bad high school bands. I went through a thousand different phases of music, listening and music playing in terms of what style I was into at any given age. And in a lot of ways, like, those those kind of um that accumulation has continued you know what i mean like i feel like the accumulation that happens between your teenage years and into your 20s is really rapid and 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 then often slows down but for me it never kind of never did you know what i mean like yeah. i'm still listening to new records i'm still listening discovering music from the past that is like i've fallen in love with like i'm i'm just you know, rediscovering things I thought I didn't like that it turns out I do all the time. And all that is always informing how I write, how I perform and how I perform and how I record music. Sure. Yeah, that's really cool. I think what's really awesome about you specifically is that you're very multi-talented in the different, like you're extremely good at guitar. That's, I think, sort of the foundation of your, maybe your musical expertise. But then you have so many different instruments that you're good at and what I read was you're also a composer and you have like a backing band and the album is just so like the atmosphere and the, I guess the vibe and the energy of it is really, really unique in a way that has, I don't know, it's hard to explain. It has like a folksy, but like, I just feel like, I don't know, it's hard to explain. And I'm curious what your mindset was going into your newest album and sort of if it had an influence of anything that was happening in the past year. I started writing and recording new music or music for that, for, for recumbent speech, right when my first album, Pentimento and Others, was released mm. in 2018. Um, I did a West Coast, a short West Coast tour around the release of that record in February of 2018. And I had a few days off, and the guy who I um, record, recorded most of my mu- the music that I've recorded in the last 15 years my old band Cite and these two solo records is a producer named Tim Green, mm. who's a really, a really, really amazing, unbelievable, special producer who has a studio in Northern California. So on that tour, I had a couple of days off and I went up and um, recorded most of um, Letter to My Mind, the second track on the album. And, uh, and then, and then I was kind of, so I had that track and that was sort of the beginning of recumbent speech. And, um, and I feel like the album kind of grew out of that, the vibe of that song. Um, and then over the next year, year, yeah, about a year, I, I, I was, I spent some more time in California. I also spent some time in a studio in Brooklyn with a guy named John Thayer, who is also an amazing producer and engineer and spent most of my time just writing these demos and preparing for my studio time by writing and composing. And when I say writing and composing, I just mean 
sitting with a guitar or a synthesizer or a MIDI keyboard and my laptop and, or, you know, and, and guitar pedals and just sketching stuff out. You know what I mean? In like mm. two or three hour chunks, you know, in the, like, like usually in the afternoons, uh, I just, follow the muse you know what i mean like yeah. i just do you get inspired I, by like a song or do you set out in the beginning of the day or whatever like i need to have this part done by a certain time do you yeah it's more that like i do feel i feel inspired all the time but for me i'm much more like workman like about it like mm. i i wanted i just to me it's like the work generates the inspiration oh, not not the other way around the way that I know it is for a lot of people, a lot of really great people just kind of wait for the muse and wait for the, for the inspiration. And then, and then they're off. You know what I mean? Yeah. I can't do that. And I don't have the time to do that. Like I'm kind of like having, I I'm, I have this kind of like pretty full blown adult life over here where I have like kids and I have, you know, my wife and two kids and I work as a psycho, as a psychologist in a private practice and, um, you know, and, and so I just like, I, I have music as a part of my daily life and I make music, um, you know, all the time, although it's been hard in COVID, but in normal times all the time. And, um, but that's because I build it in through like this feeling that when you sit down to make the work, the inspiration will follow. Sure. Yeah. That's really cool. So, I mean, the whole premise of my podcast is kind of like balancing a double life, sort of just like having a creative life. And for you, just, you know, you have like a full on adult life that for a lot of people would consume all their time and energy, but you're able to still make music and make an album and just all these really cool things. How do you find that balance? How are you able to, you know, stay creative and stay inspired, but at the same time, um, staying creative and staying inspired is not hard. Like, I love music today as much as I've loved it any other day. You know what I mean? Mm. And, um, and so I have music in my head all the time. Like I have ideas for music that will, you know, um, like it's too much, if anything, you know what I mean? Um, you know, as far as like how the strike the balance and I, you know, I, I just have set up a life where I work most, I, 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 I see my patients from around seven or seven thirty in the morning until like one or 2 PM. And then again, in normal times, it's different in COVID, but, um, I, and then, I, and then I go and, and work on music most days in the afternoons. Um, and then, you know, jump into our evening kid routine. Um, and, that's, you know, and that's just like my life. You know what I mean? It's like, like music is like, it's like a, like a, another job. You know what I mean? Sure. And um, even though I don't make a lot of money doing it, um, I, you know, it's really important to me. I did have to take some time off to make it to this, you know, from music to make this life like work. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I had my, I had, I had this band for years and years and years. And then in 2012, after I met my wife, like I dissolved the band and stepped away from music for about two and a half years. 
Mm. And it was a really hard thing to do. It was, it was necessary and I'm glad I did it because, and I feel like I won't ever have to do that again, I hope. But, um, you know, I, there were just some things I needed to do in my life as a psychologist to just like get some things in order. Um, and that really needed a, like my full attention. Um, and I think that also like, m- you know, meeting and falling in love with Jesse, my wife also needed my full attention at that time. And, yeah. um, and that, you know, that, so I, I, you know, I often, I, I, in my, in moments I feel like, Oh, I, you know, I, I could have been making music that whole time. Like I, maybe I shouldn't have taken that time off, but I did need to do it in order to come back and like, you know, in a sense, reinvent myself at least somewhat um, from being like the leader of a rock band to being a sort of um, solo, solo performer because I perform on my own and, um, you know, working on a very, not very, but a, a somewhat different um, approach to making music than I had before, you know, I used to write songs with with like words and lyrics and singing and stuff. And now I feel like I sort of, it's closer to like the model of composing pieces. You know what I mean? But at least that's how it feels. Sure. And what was the, uh, the reason for that? Was it just because you felt more like, did you have a reason for not staying away from lyrics and just doing the instrumental and composing <laughs> music in that way? Um, I mean, I, I, I think that I, I, realized that I was less invested in writing songs than I thought I, 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 was, I was less invested in writing songs than I thought mm. songs. I, mean, I say song, I, I mean, you know, whatever you can, there's lots of words to describe a piece of music, but when I say songs, I mean like, like something that where there are, where they're singing, yeah. you know what I mean? There's, there's like verses and whatever. Right. Um, even choruses, which I only have a few of, but, um, um, yeah, I just, I, when I, when I realized that I didn't have to stay within the confines of a song, I mean, a song is an, is on one hand, an endlessly malleable thing. Um, when you look at the history of songs, it's a pretty amazingly wide range of music that can be described, you know, of, that that that, could, that falls into the category songs. Sure. But then on the other hand, when you get a when you start writing music that isn't a song anymore, where there's no vocals, you know, and you're not tethered to like a, the structure of a song. Um, for me, a lot of things opened up. Mm. Um, it felt more experimental, um, and I could mo- get more easily get lost. And that's what we want to do. That's what I want to do when I work on music. I want to get lost. You know, I, um, I feel like if I get lost in the music I'm making, other people will get lost in the music listening to it that I've made. Yeah. And, um, and, and lost in the best way. Sure. Um, so, um, you know, it, was, it, it felt like I was sort of, in writing songs, kind of sailing close to the shore in a way. And then... I got in, in putting down that way of, of, of writing, I was able to just like sail very far away. Sure. Yeah. No, <laughs> and that's then in, really cool. in the end, in the end, of course, like the difference between 
Cite, my old band, and the music that I'm making now under my own name is not that different. And like, you could easily call anything on one of my solo records a song if you wanted to, you know, it's just instrumental. For me, the approach, it was, for me and the approach to it, it was a big deal to, um, to, to, to make that shift. Yeah, definitely. That's cool. Has your uh, job as like a psychologist, has that played a role in the music that you make as far as, um, I mean, I guess you, you talk to a lot of people, you hear about different experiences and you, I guess you have a lot of different perspectives and stuff. Does that ever go into the music that you make since you, I guess, like know a lot about people and the inner workings of the mind in a way? Yeah, I think it probably does, but I don't think, I don't know if I could tell you how, you know what I mean? Sure. Like I, I, I think that, um, the closest like um, parallel between my work as a psychologist and my work as um, um, a, a musician, I think is in the process because the process of working with a patient over, you know, I work with my, I, I work um, as a psychoanalyst. And um, so the work that I do with my patients lasts many years often. And is quite deep, and you know, and, and there's there's um, there's an aspect to it where you don't always know exactly where you are. It can be disorienting, and then but there's this process that you're undergoing, and you sort of have to have some faith in the process. The patient has to have some faith in it, and the the therapist, me, has to. I have to have some faith in it too. Um, and and I do and 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 like, but it but the the main piece of it is through repetition, like through, you know, visit, like through sessions that are happening once a week or twice a week over weeks and months and years. Um, that's where um, things develop, and and similar to music, they're developing through that work on their own time. Mm. You can't always say here's where I am, here's where I am working on this piece of music, or here's where I am working with this patient, or here's where the patient is in their lives. Like, you, you, can, you can only really mark it after the fact, you know? You can only really, like, orient it later on when it's done, when a treatment is ended, or when the album is complete. And then I can say, oh, yeah, back in July, I thought I was done with this song, actually I had barely even begun it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, or like, or with this other song or this other, other piece of music, um, I thought, um, you know, I thought uh, this one idea was going to take forever to work over. And it turned out it was pretty much done in a few days when I thought it was going to take months and months, you know, like there's a disorientation there that's really necessary and an orientation that happens when you, have accumulated uh, when all this time is accumulated over like the the process of work. Does that make sense? Yeah, totally. And I feel like I sort of feel that in the music, you know, if you close your eyes, at least for me personally, I feel like I'm almost, you know, put into a different world. And in the beginning I am very disoriented. I don't know where I am. And as we slowly make our way through the song, it's like, my eyes are opened up more and I have more aware of where we are. And it's like, you know, it starts with the guitar and more instruments and more like just emotions get thrown into it. And suddenly I'm more aware of where I am. I don't know if that was the intentions behind it, but it really feels like that. And it seems similar to what you were talking about just now. Totally. Yeah. 
Yeah. Was that um something intentional? Did you ever have like I don't know, I guess you said you have to like structure it, but did each song have to align in a certain way or did you just make it because it seems like they're I don't know, structured really well to all have a similar emotion to it to an extent, but they're all very different. Was that difficult to make it seem like intertwine them in a way? Yeah. Um, there was a moment in the middle of the process um, where I thought, is, the, is this album a coherent thing? And I was really worried that it was not. Hmm. And I, I was really worried that I like, was trying to jam three different albums into one or something. Okay. Um, And then there was sort of a moment where I thought, you know what? I think, I think this is going to work through here on these different tracks, but there is a pretty strong through line. And, um, and I actually like the flow of it. I like the variation um, if anything, that was more of an issue on my first album, which really is like a jumble, kind of a jumble of, I mean, I still love that record, but I, in many ways it is a jumble of different ideas, song to song. Mm. Whereas this one actually in the end felt pretty, pretty well streamlined. You know, I'm, I've never been a musician who just, you know, worked with like one idea for a whole album. You know what I mean? There's, it's always about variations on a theme. Um, or variations on a few different themes. Sure. Um, sure. And I think it probably always will be. <laughs> yeah. Um, how did it feel to have uh, Pitchfork re- review your album and everything? Was that cool or was that interesting or weird? Um, all of the above. I would include shocking and also kind of thrilling. I mean, I had no idea that they were going to as far and away the highest profile review you know and all the press that the record got um and it was really cool i I feel i feel quite chuffed about it um um yeah i i was a i was pleasantly surprised and a a little bit shocked sure is it a i don't know does it feel good to get like you've been making music for a really long time and to have something like this happen at this period in your life when you're balancing two different things and music's still a part of your life and not as big as it may have been in the past to have that like affirmation that you are doing something positive and, you know, making a good impact in the music industry and that people are responding to it in a positive way. Was that like, that must've been a good feeling, right? I would imagine just knowing yeah, that. It, is. it totally is. Like it kind of like, um, it, it's, it makes it so that I, all all I want to do is make more music. You know what I mean? And so if I get positive feedback and there's, if there's bits of press, you know, and people are responding well to it and saying nice things on social media and whatever, like then to me, it just means, Oh, like this is going to, I can use this to like as leverage (laughs) to make more music because that's all I really want to do, you know? And so um, I would do it anyway if there had been no press at all or only bad press or whatever. I, it wouldn't, it wouldn't, I would not be deterred. Um, but, at the, but at the same time, yeah, it, it's um, um, a, any sort of um, like po- any support that I get from anybody 
you know what I mean? Whether it's Pitchfork or um, my wife um, is a big deal. <laughs> yeah. You know, it goes a long way. It really does. Sure. I would be, I'd be lying to say that I didn't care because I do. Right. No, that's really cool. I guess, uh, what would be your plans going forward? You just released this album. This year's obviously kind of, you know, in a weird situation. So do you have any plans in the future of like maybe, you know, what your new album or maybe touring with this? Yeah, or? I do. I mean, well, touring, uh, I, I don't have any touring plans because nobody does. Yeah. Um, I hope to perform, you know, obviously, but that would require the world going back to some version of normalcy. Right. Um, so no, no one's holding their breath for that, but like, but uh, yeah, there's an exciting release actually really soon of new music of mine, um, a split LP that uh, with someone else who's also, who's really awesome, which will be announced in the next few weeks. Um, I can't say right now, um, but you'll know, uh, certainly. And I'm really excited for that to be out in the world. Um, also, and that's, you know, the, my, my two solo LPs are on my label related States, but this split LP that's coming out soon is on a really cool label, not my label. Hmm. Um, anyway, announcements about that forthcoming, but, um, and slowly but surely working on new music, you know, when I can, I've been a little stalled. I'm also, I've also got some exciting collaborations going on um, that have, um, one of them preceded um, COVID and then the other one actually started during COVID. Hmm. So yeah, there's, there's a lot, there's, there's a lot of cool stuff happening, um, you know, record wise, one specific release and then two or three other like um, TBA, but working on it situations. Yeah, that's cool, man. Well, I guess we'll, you know, check in with you later when those are coming out. We can always, you know, do another interview and all that stuff. Um, yeah, I would love it. I would love it. Awesome, man. Well, definitely. I guess uh, just one last, you know, where can people find you, find well, your music and, you know, get in contact with you if they want to. Uh, EzraFeinberg.Bandcamp.com. Um, or you can just Google my name, Ezra Feinberg, and I'm, you know, I'm on Spotify and Apple Music and Pandora and all that stuff. And I have LPs and CDs, um, you know, through most stores and online stores and through my band camp. Um, so I'm easy to find. Yeah. Awesome, man. Well, hey, thanks again for sitting down and talking to me. And then we'll stay in contact and I'll talk to you again. We'll do another interview um, when you have more stuff coming out. And, you know, once again, it was absolute pleasure. I can't thank you enough. Oh, John, thank you so much. And, and keep up the good work. Thank you for listening to another episode of The Double Life. To listen to Ezra's music, head to EzraFeinberg.Bandcamp.com. You can follow him on Instagram. Ezra.Feinberg. That's F-E-N-B-E-R-G. As always, make sure to subscribe, tell your friends, and we'll see you next week. This is uh, Palms Up on Recumbent Speech by Ezra Feinberg. I'll play a little bit of that for you, but head over there, head to Bandcamp, support him and all of his music. Thank you once again, and adios. Enjoy your weekend. <laughs>